Welcome to God's Love Language, a podcast designed for Christian discipleship with emphasis on developing our relationship and fellowship with God. Now, here is our host, Joe Enlow. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Appreciate that. Greetings and welcome back to God's Love Language with Joey or Joe Enlow. I am your host, Joe Inlow, and I'm glad you are back. Yes, if I sound different, it's because I've got a cold. But the show must go on. So here I am. We're on the second episode on parenting, God's purpose for the parent. This is the third relationship God created after the individual and the marriage or the couple. Last month, in the first episode on parenting, we discussed understanding God's view of your children your desires for children, having a correct view for wanting children, making sure you are ready to have children, and your motivations for wanting children. We talked about having children already, including stepchildren, and getting the children on board for change if they are not Christians. Today, we will begin our talk with the subject of spiritual preparation for raising children, which begins when they are in the womb. Okay, here we go. Spiritual preparation. What do I mean by spiritual preparation? In a nutshell, it means what I have been saying since the beginning of this podcast. It is not about you. I usually say those words when referring to God's will for your life, but it is doubly true when it comes to having children. Having children and raising them for God is one of the most selfless acts that you can do. This is one of the reasons that God said it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. We were made first and foremost to love our Creator than to love our brothers and sisters. Adam could do that if there were no other humans. When you have children, your primary focus and responsibility will be to raise them to serve the Lord while you yourself grow more like Jesus. Your selfish nature will take a big hit, as it should. Women, when you become pregnant, it will distort your body image. You will will more than likely lose any figure you may have had. You will experience hormonal fluctuations that you have never had before. Men, you will have to learn to help your wife endure this time. Help her understand what's happening to her body. You do this by educating yourself about such things. This gesture of caring and interest will help her emotionally as well. You cannot just sit on the sidelines. You must become involved with the whole pregnancy process, including ministering to the child in your wife's womb. Both of you need to do this. Bonding begins on conception and continues until death. This is also a great fellowship and intimacy-building opportunity for the parents. Every action will shape who you are and who you will become. Choose how to react. Be intentional in helping each other. Now, that is why we spent so much time on your individual relationship and fellowship with God. Then on becoming a couple, it is hoped that when you get married and have children, those first two relationships with God are functioning well and will just need daily tweaks and and care, nothing major, hopefully. Both of those relationships will grow and change over the years, especially with the addition of children. But the foundation should have been laid before you ever got married. That is also why you wait to have children, or preferably you wait to have children, if the foundation is still on sandy or loose soil. In other words, your relationship with God and your spouse. If you 
became a Christian couple after marriage or after having children, then the task is different. We will try to cover those particulars also. Nevertheless, rest assured, everything is possible with God. Spiritual preparations begin begins with a kingdom focus or a God-centered point of view. It is about being intentional with your mind, will, and emotions, or also known as your beliefs, behavior, and reactions. Everything you do in life and with your life is guided by your mission to be as Christ-like as possible. It is an intentional daily walk. Your children will learn or will learn as much from your behavior or your lifestyle that you live, maybe even more, as they will from your direct teaching to them. As a devout Christian, you should be totally focused on viewing all life here on earth from a kingdom point of view. Having raised seven boys myself, I know that if I would have done this, I could have avoided so many pitfalls. When you do this, all of your interactions and responses to raising your children will be consistent and godly. You are raising imagers of God, for God, and for the advancement of God's kingdom here on earth. All the things you learned in this podcast, you can teach them. This makes you a disciple maker. This includes helping them to identify and use their gifts for kingdom advancement and how to live the abundant life in the face of a fallen world. It's overwhelming for us to contemplate this idea or the idea that we can, on a daily basis, be involved in conversations and actions that will advance the kingdom and impact others for eternity. No kingdom task that you have will exceed that of developing kingdom passion in your children. You will develop them, you give them a hunger for knowing more about God and doing His will. But first, you multiply your own effectiveness. Second, you ensure that kingdom passion will continue generation to generation. Now, the next thing you need to do is get on the same sheet of music, both of you. After realizing that parents need to see and do everything from a God-centered or kingdom-focused point of view, then you both, or just you if you're a single parent, need to agree or need to figure out your kingdom parenting style. This includes, but it's not limited to, the following characteristics of a Christian parent. Number one. Christian parents have a vital relationship to the king, not only a relationship, but ongoing fellowship and intimacy with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. The principle, this principle alone will accomplish so much in your quest to raise Christian children. You learn to have fellowship and intimacy with the Trinity, and you learn the value of fellowship with your spouse and your children. Life isn't just about relationships. It's the quality of the fellowship and intimacy of those relationships that makes all the difference in the world. The closer you get to someone, the more you love them and the less you want to disappoint them. Number two, Christian parents are passionate about worshiping the king through praise. Read Psalms and see how all Psalms will lead to praise, and most, if not all, are set to music. Even when we praise God on our own, we usually do so in a melodic voice, sometimes even breaking out in a full song of praise to Him. 
God loves us and desires our love in return. Praise is demonstrating that love back to him by acknowledging that he is sovereign and the only one deserving of all praise and honor. Martin Luther once said that music is second only to theology in the service of God. There are theologians that believe Lucifer had the offices, the office of ministering to God with music, uh, with built-in musical instruments. You can find that in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. This makes sense if you consider that today's music is the primary method that we are influenced and taken off track from godly thoughts. Secular musicians sell their souls to Satan so they can get fortune and fame and are lifted up by the masses, including some Christians. Music and its effect on others is Satan's main gift and influential power, along with his lying. After his expulsion from heaven, it is never said that he lost that gift and power with the use of music. If you don't teach your children how to praise God with a pureness of thought and devotion, then secular music will lure your children into secular darkness. Since it is evident God loves praise, especially in music form, we must understand that praise is not a passing fantasy. As Dr. Ronald Allen says in his book on praise, praise is one of the most elemental fundamental and necessary factors of the life of faith in this and any age. It is the goal and direction of all creation. The praise of God is the occupation of all his holy angels. The praise of God is the purpose of man. If man will not praise God, the very stones will. You find that in Luke 19.40. Praise will be a weapon for you as a parent. I can guarantee you there will come a time when you have no words or ideas on how to pray concerning your children. All you will be able to do is praise God for his love, his grace and mercy, and the fact that he is watching over them. God will in turn honor your expression of love, your praise for him. No other expression of love is greater than praising God. That is humility and recognition that he alone is worthy. Just remember to let your children hear and see you singing and giving praise to God. They will always remember that. Number three, Christian parents are passionate about prayer. I'll start out by saying that as parents, prayer and praise will be your medication for anxiety and stress associated with raising children. There are so many variables that come into our lives and try to interfere with raising children, especially if your children are sent to secular schools and exposed to unbelievers without a firm foundation as a Christian, Jesus prayed often and spent plenty of time praying to the Father in private. In fact, sometimes his disciples would ask where he was, where you, where you been. He spent a lot of time in prayer and praise of his Father. You both, you couple, you both need to take time together and separately to pray for wisdom knowledge and understanding about being a parent. It just doesn't come to you. You have to seek that knowledge. Be specific in your prayers when you can and at the mercy of the help of the Holy Spirit when you can't. You know or you have seen on TV how parents are always telling the kids, you should have come to me and we could have talked about it or why didn't you say something to me or this could have all been avoided if you would have just talked to me or us. Well, guess what? God says the same thing to you as parents looking for guidance 
or an answer to a particular situation. Take it to God, and he will give you the guidance to make a wise decision. Remember, not to act on your emotions. You must keep a godly view of how to engage your children, even when they push all of your buttons. Never take rebellion from your children personally. It is a product of a sinful nature, and we are all born with it and spend our entire lives trying to subdue it. Number four, Christian parents are passionate about each other. When you get married as part of your well-structured Christian walk, having been raised in a Christian as a Christian and continued being faithful your whole life, now you feel led to get married. It should be the next phase of your Christian walk, love and expression of praise and obedience to God. At least that's the way it should be. Life as a Christian is not about you, but when you live it as a sacrifice to God, that prepares you for marriage and parenthood. You learn to love others, especially God, more than yourself, and deny yourself and take up your cross daily. This is where Lucifer and Adam and Eve failed. They prioritized life to be about themselves, and when you put yourself first, that lowers the status of our Creator in our lives, and that is in direct contradiction to why He made us. And that, my friends, is the beginning to all sorts of problems. Marriage is a step in your training as a Christian, or it should be. Most of us make the move into marriage as a selfish desire. It should never be seen that way. It is a symbol of the union of the church and Jesus. Parenting is a responsibility to raise little imagers into big imagers and warriors and parts to the bride of Christ. It requires all of the best Christian attributes and all of your wisdom and knowledge plus some. The condition of your marriage, the demonstrated behaviors between you and your spouse, the communication, the devotion to God, the love you demonstrate to everyone, the words you speak, life or death, the way you handle problems, the music you listen to, the movies and television shows you watch will all be observed by your children and will someday be mirrored by them. You must have your acts together as much as possible. The best way I know to be passionate about each other as a couple is the same way as being passionate about God. The secret lies in the fellowship intimacy, as we've talked about before. The more you do for God, the more you want to study about him. The more you make yourself like Jesus, the closer you get to being the ultimate imager, ultimate imager and the more valuable your Christian walk and life become to you. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life slowly dissipates. The same is true when you value your spouse. The more you value them, the better you treat them, and the deeper your intimacy will grow with them. You are to love them like you love and value yourself, or even more on some occasions. I would even say that your spouse should be your best friend here on earth. Okay, I would be amiss if I didn't stop here and address those of us who got married and had children before understanding any of these principles. First of all, our stories are a testament to our children. We were lost We lived out there in the sin-filled world. We know that it has nothing to offer. We understand that God is our creator and that life lived according to his design is the only way to live. We know. We tried it the worldly way. If you are lucky, your children are young and have not had a lot of time to be molded by the secular worldview. If you have older children, 
you must be careful in how you bring them into this new Christian worldview. If they have seemingly enjoyed a secular life, you could be trying to drag them kicking and screaming into your new way of life. If so, it may have severe repercussions. You must learn to love them and educate them as Jesus would. Start with this knowledge. Only the Holy Spirit will convict and change their heart. That's how you converted. Someone may have been witnessing to you, but you would never have changed if the Holy Spirit would not have given you a desire to. It is the same way with your children. These children will be your first evangelistic assignment. You will have to take a crash course in loving like God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. You will have some explaining to do, and if they are teenagers or older, your apologetics game must have to be on point. It will have to be good. And apologetics is your defense of your beliefs, why you believe the way you believe. The 10 principles I will be sharing will help you to be a successful witness to them. Just remember this and get excited about it. As you teach them how and why you changed, you will also be learning and solidifying your faith. Remember what I said in an earlier podcast. To teach it once is to have learned it twice. Don't feel any condemnation when when they say hurtful things to you. Remember, they are seeing things from a secular worldview, and that mostly means they are very self-centered and selfish. They only see and feel that their whole life has been disrupted. Stay faithful and pray and worship and grow closer in your marriage. You will need a united front. I just gave you four characteristics of a truly devout Christian couple or parents to help you get on the same sheet of music or path to raising children, to help you become the best Christian parents you could possibly be. Remember, there are no perfect human parents but show grace and mercy to your children, and God will do the same for you. Hold no regrets if you have recently become a Christian or decided to get serious in your relationship with God. Satan will try to overwhelm you with guilt and shame if he can't stop you, even using the words and actions of your children if he can against you. Stand fast. Be ready to grow. Now, I'm going to give you 10 principles for raising your children in a sin-saturated world. I will begin today and continue with the next episode. Once we finish with the 10 principles, then I will discuss some developmental theory from a Christian perspective, giving you some helpful hints for raising Christian children through each developmental stage. Then we will bring this relationship with God and the parent to a close. And now, the first of the 10 principles for raising your children or discipling your children. First, begin with the end in view. Raising children in this world is hard enough with all the crime, abductions, confusion about what is right and what is wrong. It is even harder to raise children as Christians to go against the flow of mainstream media and television. What helps to raise children the most is having that godly world view. And having a godly worldview lets you understand where you are going. Our goal as Christians is to get to heaven knowing that we serve the Lord here on earth. We became as much like Jesus 
as humanly possible while here, accomplishing God's plan for our lives, and now we go get our rewards in heaven when we die. It is understanding the destination that will give you direction or will present a path and the resources needed to get there. Now, the destination is the end. We are looking toward heaven. Our final place to get to is the there. We are striving for and where we want to get our children also. The here, right here today, is where we are right now. The goal of this life on earth is to take a path from here to there, where we want to go, the end, while accomplishing all that God has in store for us to do, his plan for us. Determining the path to getting there and staying on that path helps us to begin with the end in view. It is the way we can navigate the world while living for God. Determining the correct path requires wisdom and discernment. In faith and believing, ask for wisdom and discernment and it will be given to you. That asking should be part of your daily prayers as parents. But God said faith and believing. You have to have that faith and believe that God will give it to you. And he will. That's the guarantee in the word. Never assume that you have enough. Being a parent requires that you use them daily. Always be asking and seeking those gifts, that wisdom and discernment. Wisdom and discernment will allow you to look at the heart of an issue and to discern the differences at stake in the choices you must make. We try not to make many bad ones. This path to getting there is more than just a set of rules for your children, though. As Gary Enrig says in his book, Pure Desire, children need a moral compass to learn fundamental navigational skills, a clear North Star by which to get their bearings. Such skills are drawn not only from parents, but from God himself through engagement with his word. And with these skills, our children's lives become shaped by deep convictions. There's a lot of stuff that needs to change on the inside. During my military career, we were required to regularly be tested on our land navigation skills. We would be given map coordinates of where we had to go and where we would be starting. We had to plot out on the map using a compass and taking into consideration the declination diagram, which is on the, in one corner of the map, it tells you, it describes the adjustments that need to be made or added or subtracted in our calculations because of the differences in true north, the map, and magnetic north of our compass. You could draw a straight line to your destination, but when it came to actually getting there, it was an entirely different story. There were rivers or creeks, deep ravines, impact areas, buildings or steep cliffs that had to be traversed. That required wisdom and discernment as well as being able to veer off course and then get back on course after successful navigation of the obstacle, usually by counting steps. You also needed to know how many steps it took you to cover a certain distance, say 100 yards. You would use these calculations to know when you have traveled the required distance and direction. The point I'm making is that even when you know where you want to get to, 
the their destination, it is rarely, if ever, achieved in a straight path. You as a parent must keep your vision for your parenting style on the right path, making adjustments as needed to get around obstacles in your way. The end in view is nothing less than to see our children become God-centered, God-honoring, wisdom-directed adults. Okay, that concludes today's episode. Join us next month when we pick up with our second of 10 principles for raising and discipling your children. Putting first things first would be the next one. If you have any questions about this first principle today, email me at jinlow at godslovelanguage.com. Until then, may God bless you and keep you. May you continue to grow in the Lord and feel free to email me. Deanna, take us out. for listening to today's teaching. If you would like more information about our podcast and subject matter, or if you would like to leave a comment, go to godslovelanguage.com or you may email joe at jnlow at godslovelanguage.com. 